Good day and welcome to another edition of Crossfade Bible Ministries. Bible studies, we're going to continue on in the Gospel of Matthew. Today we'll be covering a new chapter in Matthew 28. We'll be covering verses 1 through 10. And the title of today's lesson is Jesus is Risen. Before we jump into today's lesson, let's go back last week and review what we learned. Last week we seen where Jesus, after dying on the cross... And remember, he died on the cross because of our sins. He who was sinless, he who knew no sin, bore the sins of the world upon his shoulders. And we've seen that he was laid to rest. And the reason he was laid to rest was because of a man named Joseph from Arimathea. And he went to Pilate and he asked for Jesus's body. And he laid Jesus's body in his own tomb and the tomb we know it was a new tomb that had never been used. It was carved into a hill, carved into the rock side. We also learned this, that this man, Joseph, was part of the Sanhedrin. We also know that a religious leader named Nicodemus, who was also a follower of Jesus, he helped Joseph remove Jesus' body from the cross. And they put Jesus' body in a white linen cloth. The Bible told us it was a clean white linen cloth and they wrapped Jesus's body in that cloth and they put Jesus's body in the tomb and after they did this they exited the tomb and they rolled the stone back in front of the entrance of the tomb but while all this was going on we learned this that some of the religious leaders and members of the Sanhedrin they went to Pontius Pilate and they asked Pontius Pilate that a guard be put in front of that tomb. In other words, that that guard would watch over the tomb because they remembered what Jesus talked about. Because Jesus went around talking about <clears throat> he was the son of God and that he would be put to death, but on the third day that he would rise from the grave. So their thinking was if we have a guard that watches over the tomb, then none of Jesus' disciples would have an opportunity to go in, roll back the stone, and remove Jesus' body, thus making it look like he rose from the grave. You see, in their mind, they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They didn't believe that he was going to be raised from the dead. But they thought in their own mind that the disciples would go in and move Jesus' body, remove Jesus' body and place him somewhere else to make it look like he rose from the dead. So they go to Pilate and they ask Pilate, can we have a guard to guard this tomb because of what the deceiver said? They call Jesus a deceiver, if you remember from last week's lesson. And Pontius Pilate granted them. So he issued a guard to watch over. But not only did he issue a guard, Pontius Pilate also put a seal on that tomb, meaning this. If anybody touches that stone and tries to remove that stone from the grave, and if they were found to be touching that stone to move it, that they could be sentenced to death by crucifixion. So basically it was a threat to all of the population once that seal was put on that tomb, that this is off off limits because if you do touch it and if you caught that you're going to die by crucifixion so with that being said open up your bibles 
to Matthew 28. It's the new chapter. It's the last chapter in the gospel of Matthew. And we're going to be covering verses 1 through 10. And it starts off, verse 1 says this, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to, the, to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and they became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. And they ran to tell the, his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him. They seized his feet and they worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So let's go back to verse one. And verse one says this, after the Sabbath. Now the Sabbath is the seventh day of the week. And on the Jewish calendar, it's a Saturday. So what the scripture says here is that after the Sabbath, in other words, after Saturday, which means it's the first day of the week. Now, the first day begins, remember what we said in, in the Jewish culture, the first day begins at sunset, the setting of the sun. So what, what we call Saturday night, biblically speaking, is the first day of the week for the Jews. So it says, after the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week. Now, dawn represents light. Now, we know that Jesus is the light of the world. So what this scripture here in the text is telling us is that it is telling us that the light is upon the horizon. The first day of the week. Now, again, this tells us that this is Sunday. So there's no doubt. That this event that's taking place right here, the resurrection, happened on a Sunday. So let's go back to the scripture. It says, after the Sabbath, at the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. So they were coming to see the tomb. But the writer here is informing us that they're going to see something and they will need to understand something. See? They will be coming and something's going to be revealed to them. That's what the writer's trying to get us to understand here. In other words, that they're going to have, they're going to need great understanding of, of this event that's fixing to take place or just took place, should I say. Now, you see, we know this. From last week's lesson, we learned that these women, they followed Jesus from the Galilee. Which means this, they believed in Jesus. They loved Jesus. They trusted Jesus. They obeyed Jesus. You can say that they had faith in him. 
But they're going to the tomb at dawn of the morning. And they're going to anoint Jesus' body with oil and with spices. Now, the Gospel of Matthew doesn't talk about that. That's in other Gospels. But we know that they go to the tomb for that reason. Verse 2. There was a violent earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. So we see here that as the women approach the tomb, something happens. And what is that? There was an earthquake, a violent earthquake, the Bible says. Now remember, earthquakes are mentioned often in Scripture, right? In the Old Testament and the New Testament, especially in the New Testament, in the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, earthquake speaks about something that's very, very important to us. It speaks about all of the earth. So it is speaking, you can say, to all of humanity. So what the scripture is revealing here is that when Jesus is resurrected from the grave, that his resurrection has worldwide implications. So we can say when this earthquake happened, it took place for you. It took place for me. In other words, we can say it took place for all of humanity and all of this world. Now, we know that the resurrection is related to kingdom. And we know that kingdom is related to victory. And what does the Apostle Paul tell, tell us? He tells us this. The Apostle Paul stated this in Scripture. He says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your victory? Now, why did Paul say that? You see, he said that because of what Jesus did on the cross at Calvary. You see, when Jesus rose from the dead, that means that death was defeated. Death no longer has stain upon us. Why? Because Jesus was crucified. And when he was crucified, he was crucified in taking your punishment and my punishment. In other words, he who knew no sin became sin for the world, became sin for us. He was sinless. But yet at this moment on the cross, he became sin. He bore the sins of the world upon his shoulders. You see, we're all sinners. But because of what Jesus did, he took that punishment. Death no longer has staying over us. It doesn't have victory over us because of his resurrection. Just like he died and he rose from the grave. When we die, we also will be risen as well. And we will experience, just like Jesus has, that kingdom life, just like Messiah's resurrection demonstrates. Amen? For the angel of the Lord, the scripture tells us, came down from heaven and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and he sat on it. So we see here that this angel, he comes down from heaven and he goes to the tomb and he rolls back the stone and he sits upon it. Now in other gospel accounts we read where there is more than one angel. But here in Matthew's gospel, it just mentions this one angel. Now the fact that there's just one angel being mentioned here, that's really insignificant. It doesn't change anything is what I'm trying to say. See, Matthew's just saying that this one angel right here had a specific assignment from our Father in heaven. And that assignment was to come down to earth and to roll back the, the, the stone and to wait. And you might say, wait for what? Well, you're going to see that in a few minutes, that he was waiting for these women 
because he has a very, very important message to tell them. Verse 3, his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. Now, this all has to do with purity. See, what he's going to reveal, in the same way as his appearance, you can say, is that of clarity? Is that of purity? In other words, what the writer's saying here is, you can believe what he's saying. In other words, this is what purity and whiteness speaks about. It speaks of. Therefore, in the same way that his clothes was pure, you can say, so is his revelation. So the scripture is telling us that we can believe what he's going to share with the women that were at the tomb that morning. You see these women, they went to the tomb at dawn and their biggest concern was how they were going to roll back this stone. But when they got there, they were surprised. Because the stone was already rolled back. Because of this angel that was sent down from heaven had rolled it back. Verse 4. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. So when this earthquake happens, remember there's a guard in front of the tomb. Now this scripture says right here, guards, which means there's more than one guard. Plural. So there was more than one guard guarding this tomb. But when this earthquake happened, the scripture tells us right here that they became afraid. They were fearful. In other words, they shook with great fear, you can say. So these guards were commanded to guard the tomb. Now we also know that because of this great fear, they ran away. But before they ran away, look what the scripture says happened. Because they were so afraid, they became like dead men. Now, what does that mean? In other words, you can say, because they were so fearful of what they had experienced, this angel of the Lord coming down from heaven, rolled back that stone and he sat upon that stone. They became like dead men. In other words, they were paralyzed. They couldn't move. There was just an awe of what was taking place. And after they come to, to their right frame of mind, after being fearful, after seeing the angel of the Lord move that stone and sit down on it. What they did, they ran. Verse 5. The angel said to the women, So all this is taking place. When all this is taking place and they run, the women come up to the tomb. And the angel tells them, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. So let's go back and it says, The angel said to the women. Now the angel we see once again that this one angel had a specific assignment to do. And that was to roll back the tomb. But not only was to roll back the tomb and wait, he did that for a purpose and that purpose was to send a message to the women. Now, let's talk about women here. We see the word women, especially in scripture, when you see that word, we know that plays a very, very important role in the resurrection. Now, again, the emphasis here is on women. So the context turns to redemption because women in Scripture represents redemption. So all of the Scripture is telling us here is this, that it is because of Jesus' resurrection. In the same way that Jesus rose bodily from the grave, from the dead, 
In other words, having conquered victory over sin, over death, we know that through redemption that we too can experience this kingdom victory. In other words, having deliverance over this world and what has stained this world, and that is sin. Sin no longer controls us. Sin and death no longer conquer us because Jesus defeated that when he rose from the grave. From the grave. And we know because he rose from the grave that he did the Father's will perfectly. Amen? And the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. So we see here that this angel is given a command and he's telling them, don't be afraid. Why? It's because of the resurrection. You see, the resurrection just confirms the hope. And that hope becomes a reality. Because that hope is based on the promises of our Heavenly Father. So he's saying here that there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be fearful because the resurrection just confirms all of the promises of God. Going back to the scripture, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Look what it says, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. So you see here, this speaks about God's plan. See, it was his plan to send his only begotten son into this world, send him to the cross Sent him to endure that punishment, that flogging, to be crucified. See, this speaks about the sovereignty of Almighty God. This also emphasizes the foreknowledge of Jesus. Because he was the one who was, who has been crucified. And that crucifixion has implications, we can say, into the future. So it is very, very important that this phrase that he has been crucified, speaks to the fact that it was God's plan. You see, Jesus is sovereign. And he's free to use his foreknowledge, meaning this, that he knows everything. See, when did he know everything? Always. There was never a time that Jesus didn't know anything. He knows the future. Why? Because he was there from the very beginning with the Father. He was there from the very beginning of time. He knows everything. Therefore, he knew what was going to happen to him. He knew because he knows everything. He knew what they wanted to do to him. He knew the pain that he would endure. Now, what am I speaking about here? You see, so much of Jesus' work, in other words, his teachings, everything he did relates to Torah truth. It relates to the laws of Moses. It relates to the Ten Commandments and to the 613 laws in Judaism. See, if you look in the book of Deuteronomy, there's a scripture that says, Cursed is the one that hung upon the cross, that hung upon the tree. You see, Jesus was crucified. He died through crucifixion, not because of crucifixion. And we said that last week. Right? Remember, Jesus cried out in a loud voice towards the end, right before he took his last breath and he died. Well, if he would have died of crucifixion, crucifixion means you suffocate. He wouldn't be yelling out and crying out in a loud voice. He would be whispering. But the scripture doesn't tell us that, which tells us this, that he didn't die because of crucifixion. He went through crucifixion. Was he crucified? Absolutely. But he, did he die because of crucifixion? No, he did not. 
He died because he bore the sins of the world. See, and because of this, he became a curse for you and me. He took the curse when he died. And them curses, we can say, is related to the punishment of the law. Now, what is left, you say? Life and blessings. You see, we find here the Torah does not give life, but it teaches us how to live in a way that we can be blessed. So we ask the question, what gives us eternal life? And we know what gives us eternal, eternal life is redemption because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his work. Now let's go back to verse 5. Verse 5 says, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. Now, here's a problem. See, these women, although they followed Jesus, they believed in Jesus, they trusted Jesus, they wanted to obey Jesus. And I really think they had faith in Jesus. But there's a problem here because these women went to the tomb that morning not expecting to see what they seen. See, they went to the tomb and their main concern was this rock and how was they going to roll back this rock so they can anoint Jesus' body. They expected to see a body in that tomb. But when they got there, that tomb was empty. Why? Because Yeshua had already risen from the dead. Amen? Verse 6. The angel says, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Now understand this. That it was God the Father that really raised him from the dead. Now, Jesus could have done this on his own. Because he's God. He was God in the flesh. But Here's the message that the writer wants us to see. That it was God the Father that rose him. Why? Because Jesus was always obedient to the Father. Jesus did the Father's will and the Father's plan perfectly. Which tells us that we also need to do the same as what Jesus did. We need to be obedient to the Father. We need to be obedient to Jesus. Amen. So this angel says he is not here. He has risen. So this justifies again that the resurrection took place. He says, come and see the place where he lay. This means he once was there, but he is no longer there. Why? Because he was raised from the dead by God the Father. Amen. Verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you until Galilee there you will see him now I have told you let's go let's look at that first text in that scripture then go back quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead so here it is once again we see that the emphasis right here in this text is that Jesus was raised from the dead which speaks about the resurrection and look what else it says and he is going ahead of you until Galilee. So the angel tells them that Yeshua is in Galilee. Now remember, the word Galilee has to do with revealing something. 
there you will see him. Now, this emphasis is that Jesus will be seen in Galilee. Now, it isn't by chance that Jesus tells him in Galilee that you are going to see me. Now, the angel says this, now I have told you. So the angel is just confirming what Jesus told him. And now this angel is telling these women what exactly is going to happen. Verse 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. So we see that these women, they left the tomb in a hurry. And the scripture tells us that they were afraid yet they were joyful. You see, they were fearful because they didn't have the right expectation. See, they didn't come to the tomb knowing that Jesus had been raised to the, from the dead. They didn't know that. They were expecting to see Jesus' body in that tomb. Now, although Jesus said over and over that he was the son of man, that he was going down to Jerusalem on Passover, that he was going to be beaten, he was going to be betrayed, beaten, flogged, crucified, and eventually he's going to be dying on that tree, dying on that cross. They came to the tomb not expecting to, to see Jesus being resurrected, not there. They came expecting to see a body. So the message for us is this, that when we aren't thinking correctly, that that's going to manifest fear in our life. However, because of what happened and what the angel said, that he was raised from the dead, we also see here that they are filled with joy. So we see that because he had been raised from the dead, there's joy. And it is the resurrection that is the source of joy in our life. Amen. You see, it's not just an earthly joy, but it's also a kingdom joy. And the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead gives us joy that relates to a kingdom experience that you and I can look forward to. See, but it takes a relationship with Jesus. It takes repenting of your sins. It, it, it takes walking with Jesus and knowing him personally, intimately, right? That's why it's important every day to repent, to spend time in prayer, to spend time with the Father, to hear his small voice. Let him direct your life. Let him direct your steps. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. So we see here that they ran to tell his disciples. So they're going to hurry on and go and tell his disciples all what they've experienced, all what the angel of the Lord had told them. Verse 9, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. So we see here that Jesus meets them on the way to tell his disciples the great news. See, greet represents joy. So once again, this is speaking of a kingdom joy, a joy which all of us can experience because of his resurrection, because of what he had done, because he did the Father's will and the Father raised him from the grave. It takes knowing him. It takes repenting of your sins to have that kingdom joy, to have that kingdom life. Amen. And they came to him and they seized his feet and they worshiped him. So we see here that once they see Jesus and Jesus says greetings to them, that they seize his feet and they worship him, which is important because it shows us that Jesus is worthy of our praise. Amen. Verse 10. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now look right here. The term brothers. 
See, Jesus is showing us because of his resurrection that we all have new relationships and we all have, are his followers. And when we get a chance to repent, when we get a chance to know him, when we have spent time with him in prayer, we become a brother of Jesus. We are in the family of Jesus. Amen. So he calls them brothers. This shows us also right here. Many scholars believe that it shows us the forgiveness of Jesus right here. You see, even after they had denied Jesus, they had abandoned Jesus, they left Jesus aside. Although Peter said he never would, but he did. The disciples said they never would leave Jesus aside, but they ran when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. See, it shows right here the loving, the kindness, the compassion, the mercy of Jesus, that Jesus is a forgiving father. See, even after all these people abandoned him, even after all these people denied him, this shows us right here, because he says, brothers, that their relationship now would be stronger than before. Then look what the scripture says. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. So we see that phrase, do not be afraid again. Remember, it's 365 times in the Bible that this is mentioned. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Fear not. And Jesus is telling them, don't be afraid. See, when you have a relationship with Jesus and you're walking in the spirit, there's no reason to have fear because you only fear God. You only fear the Father. And what did Jesus say? The only way to the Father is through him. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to the Father is through me. And when you know Jesus on an intimate basis, when you know him personally, there's no reason to be fearful. There's no reason to be afraid of this world and what the world throws at us and what comes our way, what the devil tries to put an obstacle in our way. There's no reason to fear because you're going to overcome that because God's going to make sure that you have the best. He has your back. All things work for the good for those who believe, the scripture says. Amen. Do you believe in Jesus today? Do you have faith in Jesus today? Are you fearful today? Because if you're fearful, then you need to question how your walk is with Christ today. We should not fear this world. We should only fear God. Amen. And Jesus tells them, do not be afraid. He tells them, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. So Jesus tells the women, go ahead before me and tell them that I've been raised from the dead. He also says, go and tell them that they're going to see me in Galilee. But we're going to find out this, that his disciples, <laughs> they were afraid. They were afraid of the religious leaders. They were afraid of what would happen to him, to them. So instead of going to Galilee, you know what they do? They stay in the upper room. And we're going to get to that in the book of Acts. But we see in the book of Acts that they're locked in the upper room because they are fearful of the religious leaders. They are fearful of Pilate and what would happen to them. So Jesus goes to meet them in the upper room. But we also know that later on that they're going to meet up with Jesus in Galilee, just like Jesus said. Amen. Amen. And that ends our lesson for today. We appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Go be a blessing to someone this week. Remember, spend time with the Lord every morning. Tell him what's on your heart. Tell him your desires. Repent of your sins. Come to know him on an intimate, personal relationship. 
Until next week, we love you guys. We appreciate you tuning in. Amen. You, you did it too long. You had 31 minutes. 31 minutes? Normally I did it 40 minutes last week. You need to erase some stuff. Okay. It's, it's going to keep on going. I have to redo it.